0: My God, you use beautiful diction to create creative creatures, creating chaos with the very same words that birthed them. How does that make you feel? How does it make you feel that your vision, your invention, turned inward with intense ignorant intention and began to thank themselves as if we had anything to do with our existence? Your words are our presence and present in every moment and in every angelic dialect just waiting for us to know it. But not just know it. I'm going to say it again. Not just know it. Not just know it. But feel it. Feel your words in our hearts. Your words crash into my heart like waves. Washing me. Beating me and asking me just what I'm doing with them. And God, if I'm being honest with you, and I'm mean truly, truly honest with you, I'm afraid to give you an answer. Like a child, I'm going to run and hide. Or dance around the truth. Too many times my words for you lack truth, even though you already know what's growing on in me. I have the tendency to use your words for myself. This bastardized babble from a beaten down and broken man can't begin to begin to give what you've been giving so freely, so effortlessly. So why is it so hard for me to see that my words just might have an impact on the environment, as if I weren't tired of it? Maybe not scream out, asshole, when he cuts me off, even though I know he can't hear me even though I know he can't hear me. I'm sure my words are echoing in the spirit world. You know what exists. Don't pretend like someone isn't listening to you. Maybe, just maybe, we could start speaking like we know someone is listening, a holy eavesdropping, dropping good news, a worthwhile platitude, or celebrating something positive in their lives, or just generally not being an ass. Let's not forget what mama said. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, It's best not to say anything at all. And what would happen if we stopped speaking to each other like we're bulletproof? If we didn't have anything to lose? It's not our humanity at stake here. It's our personhood. We speak softly in cryptic phrases and expect others to understand us. How selfish our words, like bombs, calm before the storm, break loose and run around us, pulling our ears to the ground, telling us to pay attention. There's no wisdom in that. And I'm no better. Just an expert at saying the wrong thing at the wrong time every time really and in due time I hope to learn to cut curses from my vocabulary too often temporary the change that you desire a momentary lapse in my selfish nature God, you're greater than my words an absurd thought I know but I don't know enough words or the right order for the ones I do know to tell you anything that's of worth just give me your words to hold on to and the funny truth about it is that I don't know what I don't know I don't know what I don't know. All I know is that my words are meant for more than what I've been wasting them on. I feel like I've been tracing them on, when I should be painting them on, or that I'm too far gone, and I can't swallow my words anymore, so I choke on them instead. Father, save me from myself, for I know not what I'm doing here. My thoughts are near you, but it feels like my words couldn't be any farther away. And in this moment, God, in this moment, I I pray that you rip this cursed tongue from my mouth before I say anything more.
1: Well, this morning, as we continue our series, bless this big idea that God has sent us to partner with Him to bless. Our world. Uh, that's what I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about words, and I want to talk about the power of words. And if you were, uh, you know, grew up in a place like me, and no matter where it was—Minnesota, Nebraska, California, Iowa, whatever—I uh, bet you heard this phrase, and we said it all the time as kids. And it's maybe the least true phrase uh, ever spoken, but we all said it, right? And if, if you know it, or finish it with me. It's sticks and stones can break my bones, but words, yeah. Isn't that the biggest load of you know what that you've ever heard? Like, is there? There's no truth to that statement. All right? Sticks and sticks and stones can break bones, but but words can hurt in a way. It's far deeper. All right? That no sling or cast or visit to a hospital can be, even begin to heal. All right? Words have power. Um, And I don't know if you've ever been on the giving side of the wrong words, where you said something to someone, and it's like as soon as the words came out of your lips, it's like you wish you could grab them and take them back, but they're already out there. You know, a couple years ago, and I might have shared this story before, I can't remember, but a couple years ago, you just rewind the clock back, uh, we had a gathering of uh, just our weekly Mosaic volunteer leaders meeting. And so we're, we're sitting around the table, it's a small group of us, and there's Brian's there, and Kevin uh, is there, was there, and a guy named Brian Thomas was also there, and and Brian is now the chaplain down at the city mission. Uh, before he came to Mosaic, he was a senior pastor for like six years, and then he moved to Lincoln, came to Mosaic, and just started volunteering in our kids' ministry, and took over as the director of our kids' ministry. So you get the picture of the kind of human being that Brian Thomas is, right? Senior pastor for six years, shows up ready to serve, and does, like, what's often one of the most thankless jobs, unrecognized jobs, serving kids, changing diapers, all right? So that's the kind of human being Brian is. This is our first volunteer gathering that he's ever been at, our first meeting, and I'm sick. I'm really just sick, like the kind of sick where there's you're congested up here, and there's no movement in or out at all, you know? And I'm miserable and I want to be in bed, but we've just got so many things to do. So I don't want to be there to begin with. I'm very irritable and not happy, okay? So we're here, we're doing this meeting, and Kevin, we had so many things to do. Kevin brought this, this really long agenda of things to do, and we're just knocking things out, which is not the way that I usually lead meetings, right? I'm getting better, but it, back then it was like there's very little agenda, handful of things we need to get to, Well, let's talk and make sure you're doing okay. But we're, we're checking things off anyway, and Brian makes a comment, he's like, oh, finally, this is so great, we have an agenda. And I'm, that didn't make me very happy, you know? Like, kind of felt like a slam, you know? And so we continue on, and I just kind of take it on the chin, and he says it again. Oh, this is so great. Love having an agenda. <laughs> you know, and, and the third time... <laughs> The third time, it felt in my mind like he said it 11 times, right? But I think he only actually said it three times. The third time, I just snapped, you know, and I just turned to him and I said, if you say that again, I'm going to punch you in the head. (laughs) And, you know, it's as soon as it was out. I was like, no, come back. And, you know, it's like, awesome job, Pastor. That's really creating a healthy team environment. And, and you should have seen it. This is, the you know, Brian and Maureen and Cadman knew me well, so they were like... <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> but Brian Thomas did not know me well. This is his first meeting. And you could literally see in that moment, like, his posture changed. And he didn't say another word for, like, an hour and a half. Like, the whole meeting, he didn't say another word. You know, and I did, just so you know, I did call and apologize immediately afterwards and just said, I'm so sorry. I'm a horrible person, you know. <laughs> I'm bad, you're good, you know, I'm wrong, you're right. I'm ugly, you're very attractive, you know, trying to make it better. But the truth is, like, that's the thing about words, is that for better or worse, if you're you're taking notes, for better or worse, your words have power. Your words are powerful. Um, and, And interestingly, as I think back on, like, my worst moments as a pastor, my worst moments as a husband, as a dad, and as a friend, almost all of them can be traced back to a time when I misused words because words really are that powerful. In fact, listen to what Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says. It says, The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Right? And so in Genesis, of course, God uses words, and, and he speaks words, and he actually creates with them. He creates beauty, and he creates this, this world. And, and that's the thing about words, is, is words can create, and words can destroy. Right, Words can, can heal, and, and words can crush. Right? The right words can actually build up, but the wrong words can actually do the exact opposite and tear down. Right, there are words that actually give life. But there's also words that, that take life. Right, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I want to give you just a couple more Proverbs to give you a feel for this, for the different kinds of words that there are. Proverbs 12 and 18. Uh, verse 12, verse 18 uh, says this. The words of the reckless, what do they do? They, they pierce. They pierce like swords. But the tongue of the wise, their words... Bring healing. Right? So again, you've got two very different kinds of words here. You've got words that, that are reckless and, and abusive, words that destroy and they literally just suck life out of people. But then you also have li- words that actually do the exact opposite. They build up, they infuse life, they give life. Right? Proverbs 15.4 says this. It says, gentle words are what? They're a tree of life. Right? They're life-giving but its deceitful tongue crushes the spirit, right? The tongue has the power to bring life or death. Now, of course, I'm telling you something that you, you already know, right? And if you're in this room, whether whether you believe in God or not, whether you're bought into who Jesus claimed to be or not, right? This is one of those things that we can all agree on because I, I'd be willing to bet, man, if we had an open mic and we just started sharing stories, I'd be willing to bet that every single one of us had been on the receiving end of words that were spoken to us and they were not life-giving. Right? They, they maybe even just felt like it was sucking the life right out of us. Right? Words that pierced. Maybe words that have stuck with us for a very long time. You know, it's interesting, I, I can remember back to when I was like seven or eight years old and we were part of this little country Bible church, you know, rural Minnesota and I remember one day, I, I, yeah, as a kid, I was a pastor's kid. And, you know, like pastor's kids are either like hell on two wheels or astronauts. There's like nothing in between, you know. <laughs> and, and, like, I was like, this, played this dual role as a kid. You know, I could be the good pastor's kid, but in the same, like the next moment, you know, I was in big trouble and causing trouble. And in this particular moment, I was innocent. I, I was just playing with other kids. I didn't do anything wrong. But this woman from our church, older woman, cornered me. And got in my face and confronted me on this one thing. And, and I, was, I just said, look, I, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. And, and she goes, you little liar. She said, Aaron Lloyd, you're a punk. You're nothing like your dad. You know, now, for some of you, that's like a great compliment. You're nothing like your old man. You know, like, thank you. But <laughs> I, I was eight, seven or eight. You know, like, my dad was my hero. Like, he was everything in, in my little world, how I understood, like, a, a man and a godly man, a leader to be. I wanted to be him. You know, and, and I can, it's like, a quarter century ago this happened. It's it like, feels like three lifetimes ago, and, and I can remember, like, clear as day, like I'm standing there again. And she says, you are nothing like your dad. You're a little punk, you're a little liar. I know who you are, and it's not good. And I remember how it made me feel, like, this big. And the amazing thing is, I can remember actually for years after that, like she she was still a part of the church, you know, and I remember like playing and like I would see her across the room and we'd lock eyes and she'd give me this look. And it was the look that said, I know you. And it's not good. You're not like the act that you put on around here. Like this presence just constantly tearing me down and saying, you're nothing like your dad. You're a little punk. You're a little liar. Right, and words have that kind of power, and of course you know this because you have your own stories. Right? There are words that that suck the life out and words that give life, right? Words that just tear down and destroy. Right? Why aren't you more like your sister? Right? you are the worst mistake I've ever made. Right? If I'd go back and do it again, I don't I don't know that I'd do the same way. I don't I don't know that I'd say I do. I'd give us more time. Right? You're stupid. Right? You're just not as smart as fill in the blank. You know that, right? You're a faggot. You don't belong. You don't have worth. Who are you coming around here? You don't have anything to contribute. Nothing worthwhile. You're, you're plain, you're ordinary, you're mediocre. Best you can do is hide. Who do you think you are? You're a faker. I know who you really are, and it's not good. And for many of us in this room, I mean, we could just share stories, words that follow us, words that have been spoken. But then there are words that have the opposite effect, don't they? Like words that that spoken in the right way just infuse life. Right? I, I, I see something in you, and it's good. It needs to be shared with the world. Right? You have a gift. Like, do you know that? You have a gift. You need to hone that, develop that, use that. The world needs that. Right, you are, you are special. There's something beautiful inside of you. I love you. I respect you. I appreciate you. The world is better with you in it. My life is better because you are in it. Right? Words have this just, just incredible power. I remember as a kid, my parents, I only realize now that this isn't always normal, but I can, as far back as I can remember, I can remember my parents speaking life-giving words to me all the time. And I remember going to sporting events with my dad, and he'd always go out of his way to say, hey, on the way there, he's like, you know, I love you, right? It's like, yeah. And you know I'm proud of you, right? Yeah. And you know if you're, if you're going to go and, and just do your best and have fun, like, that's, that's all you can do. And I'm proud of you, right? And he didn't realize I have, you know, in my strengths finder Top 5 competition and Achiever, so I had to win. Like, it didn't matter what he said. Um <laughs> But, the, but I, I never had to question whether my dad loved me, whether he was proud of me, because he was just constantly speaking these life-giving words into me. Right? My mom is the same way. I remember sitting at the counter or at the table or at our, my bedside, and she was always saying things like, God has something special in store for you. Right? There, there's, God has given you a gift, and don't you dare hide that. Right, don't you ever let fear get in the way of you sharing what God has put in you. You keep writing, you keep leading. Right, big things are going to happen. Right, and I realize now, like looking back, like they were. I mean, they were laying the foundation uh, for what would be the rest of my life. I mean, they were they were setting me up to do what I do now. And now, as a dad, right, I find myself doing the same thing. I'm trying to do the same thing for, for our girls. You know, so there's certain things I say to them so often that they can actually, like, finish my sentences for me now. So literally, like, this week, Chloe ran, and she jumped on my lap. And uh, I said, hey, you know what? She goes, you love me. I was like, that's right. I was like, and you know what else? She goes, I'm beautiful. I was like, yes, you are. You know, and, and... and I, I, wanna, I tell her, you know, you, you have such a beautiful voice. Like God has put music inside of you. You got to keep dancing, girl. Right? You got to keep singing. I love when you sing. Right? Even when it's Let It Go, and I want to take that mini boombox and just huck it off the state capitol. <laughs> right? But I say it, you know, because I do. I love I love to hear her sing. She has music in her bones, in her heart. You know, and with Paige, I'm, I'm always telling her not only that I love her and I'm proud of her, but I love how hard she works in school and, and how she, she follows those that God has placed above her. And, and I tell her, girl, you have got a leadership gift, right? It's not, not bossy, right? You can be that way, but, but you've got a gift to lead. And you keep running after Jesus and you're gonna get to lead people to him, right? And I'm praying that God makes you into a good leader, a leader worth following, and I'm praying every day that he grows your heart bigger and bigger to love him more and to love every person that comes across your path more because he loves them, even when you're naughty, right? That's right, Dad, even when I'm naughty. I do it all the time because I, I want to I wanna lay that foundation for them. And the truth is those words are coming for them, and I know that as a parent, right? I mean, middle school is around the corner, uh, and middle school is brutal, you know and there's going to be those words that cut and those words that pierce and I want for as a dad I want them to have a wealth of life-giving words to draw on I want that for them and so now it's funny we'll, we'll actually pray at night and I love I love listening to my girls pray and and it's funny cuz Chloe this is like one of her go-to prayers she just say thank you Jesus for grandma and grandpa I love them and thank you for mom and dad I love them and thank you for little Jack Jack I love him and thank you for Paige. I love her. And Jesus, thank you for me, because I love me too. <laughs> it's, like, it's awesome. And Paige, my favorite prayer from Paige this last year is, is she said, Jesus, thank you for making my dad really good at working hard. And thank you for making mom really good at making cupcakes. And thank you for making me good at everything. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Now we gotta hone that in a little bit. Because she's not good at everything. She's gonna learn that sooner or later. But you know, when it comes to our, our kids, man, I just don't want I don't want a lack of life-giving words to ever be the thing that, that holds them back. Because I know from experience that words have power. Words have power. And, and, and no more, nowhere is this more true than in, in my, our marriage. And and Megan will deny this, but I lean on her hard and and i couldn't <clears throat> i couldn't do this without her. stupid allergies <coughs> <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to keep using that joke just so you know you know, but even like this week, you know even this this week you know there's a, an evening this week and and I was just believing lies, I was believing things about myself that weren't true and and you know how you do that, and you just start to feel deflated and exhausted and kind of curl up in a ball, you know, and want to go away. And Megan steps in and says, those are lies. Like, you, you need to remember who you are. You need to remember who God says you are. And this is who you are. And she just starts speaking life into me. And words, words have that kind of power. They do. And so this morning, I, I want to just briefly talk about two different kinds of words. And that is the words that we receive and also the words that we speak. All right, and, and the reason I want to talk first about the words that we receive is as we talk about this, this calling to partner with God to bless the world, that is not going to be possible if you don't come to understand who you really are and you allow those lies to become defining and you believe them. Right, and so one of the things we have to have to learn how to do by God's with God's help through his spirit, if you're taking notes, number two, is we've got to learn how to guard our hearts. You've got to learn how to guard your heart against toxic words. Right, Craig Rochelle, who um, I'm drawing from quite a bit this morning, has a great quote and he said this He said, You know, we can't we can't control what other people say about us, but we can control what we believe. We can't control what others say about us, but we can control what we believe. Solomon, there's a conversation that's captured for us. He's addressing his son and speaking life-giving words into his his son. And in uh, Proverbs 4.20, he says this. He says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. He understood the power of words. He said, listen, boy, you've got to hear this. And in verse 23, he says this. He says, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. Anybody here have uh, like a recurring nightmare that you have every now and then? Any handful of us? Okay. So I'm not the only one. That's good. Um, I do have this recurring nightmare, and Megan knows what it is. I have it literally at least once a month. And it's this. I, I get invited to speak at a conference. And sometimes it's just it's mosaic. And I know it's coming and there's a deadline and I know I got to write for it and prepare for it but like life just gets busy. You know so I got meetings, I'm getting groceries, and putting the kids to bed and have counseling and all these different things and you just I just kind of keep pushing back the prep. And then before I know it, like I'm being walked from backstage and they walk me right up and I get up and I look out to a packed crowd and realize I never prepared and I have nothing to say. And then and then My dream doesn't even end there. Like, I try to salvage it and come up with something, and I fail miserably, and then I wake up. Like, every time. So when I tell Megan, like, I had the nightmare again, like, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. But the interesting thing is, so that's like a physical nightmare that I have, but but it's actually attached to a very real fear that I've had for as long as I can remember. And ever since I was a little boy, I always had this fear that I didn't have anything to say that I didn't have anything to contribute. And, and so it plays itself out uh, in this nightmare, and it's a very real fear that I still have. And, and so I had this moment in my life where God spoke into my life in such a, a tangibly powerful way. That has really become a defining moment for me. And so uh, about a decade ago, I was in Scotland, and we had about 40 high school students with us. And I was kind of like a leader in training in this organization. And, and the team leader assigned me a talk to give two weeks into our trip in Scotland. And so I, he gave me a couple of weeks to prepare for this thing, and it was the first like, message like, I'd ever given, like stepping up in front of a group and delivering my message. And so I was terrified, terrified. For two weeks, I scribbled notes, and I prayed, and I sweated, and I didn't sleep very well. And finally the day came, and I was able to get away early that morning up in these, these gorgeous Scottish rolling green hills above Glasgow. And these dark, you know, Scottish clouds are rolling in and rolling out quickly. And I'm praying. And I start to come up with this plan in my mind to weasel out of it, you know. And I start, like, coming up with a plan. Like, okay, this is how I'm going to spin this to our team leader. and, And just, at the very least, push it back a couple more weeks. But maybe, best case scenario, I can get out altogether. And in this moment, like, this is one of those defining moments where God spoke in my life in such a tangible way. It's only happened a handful of times in my entire life. And it wasn't audible, but it might as well have been. And God, God said, he said, Aaron, you can weasel out of this if you want. But you have to understand something. All right, this is not just something I'm calling you do, to do today. But this is something I'm calling you to do with your entire life. So either you can step into that calling today, Right? Or you can wheeze a lot of it, and we'll have this conversation again in another five years. Right now, now, here's the amazing thing. So that was like my... That started this process of me being where I am. But the amazing thing is, is we've been doing this for like, what, like four years coming up in March? And, and in four years, I do this twice a week, most weeks of the year. I might have gotten up and spoken at Mosaic maybe 300 times-ish. And I'm still afraid. I'm still nervous every Sunday. And every week... Almost without fail, there are words, there are whispers, lies that I hear, and I'm tempted to believe. That Aaron, you have nothing to say. You have nothing worthwhile to contribute. I know who you are, and it's not good. You're a faker. This isn't you, pastor. You and I both know who you are. All right, so just stop. And for me, I have to rally back and remember what God has said. Because what God has said and what God keeps saying is, Aaron, you know what? I'm really not all that concerned with the fact that it's hard or that you're nervous or have nightmares. And I really don't care what anybody else has to say because I am God and I say you're called. I say you're called. Right? And I share that because in a room this size, like I know this morning that there are a number of us in this room and you have bought into lies along the way. Things that people said about you that are not true. All right, And so for the next couple minutes, if you can tune me out, I want you to remember what God has said about you. Because God says, I don't care what anybody else has said. I am God and I say you're called. He says that you are perfectly and wonderfully made. That God himself knits you together in your mother's womb. That you are not an accident. In fact, you've been created with great intention. That you are here on purpose and with a purpose. That if you are in Christ, you are free from condemnation once and for all. That you are free from the power of sin. That you are a child of God. You are his adopted son, his adopted daughter. That you are an heir with Christ, that you have been bought at a great price, and God thought you worth every penny. That you are a new creation, that God is with you, and he has promised you to never leave you and never forsake you. That you are a saint, that you were chosen before the foundations of the earth were laid. That you are a recipient of God's lavish grace. It is on tap, and it is not running out that you have been made alive together with Christ, that you are God's workmanship created to do good works that God planned long before you were born, that you have been brought near to God, that his Holy Spirit resides in you. And as a result, you can now approach God with boldness and confidence because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross, that it is finished Period, that you are a citizen of heaven, that you are righteous and you are holy, that the debt against you has been canceled, it has been paid in full once and for all, that you are dearly loved, that you are a child of light, not of darkness, that you have been saved, that you have been called, that you have been set apart according to God's purpose, that you are smothered in grace, that you are covered in grace, and now you have been entrusted with grace as an ambassador of God's grace and a minister of God's grace in this world, that you have been blessed. To blessed that you have been blessed going in and blessed going out, and that God is not done, that He started a work and He will see it through to completion. Right. That is who you are. Right? And, And anything else that somebody said about you, right? Those lies, you need to see them for what they are. They're lies, they're not true. God says, I don't care what anybody else said, because I'm God, and I say you called. All right, this, by the way, is one of the reasons, just as a side note, that it is so important to actually crack open that Bible and marinate in it. Right, because it is part of this call to bless. I mean, it says that it's out of the overflow of our heart that the mouth speaks. But then it also says that the heart is the most deceitful amongst all things. Right, that, that we have to have a heart transplant. Right? And, and there's this magnetic pull right, back towards sin and back towards those lies to believe those things. And opening up that Bible, sitting on those words, it's just a, to a change of your heart. Right? It's, it's, not about, it's not about earning God's love. Not even close. Right? It's not about appeasing him. Right, we read it to know him. Right? It's not about like stirring God's affections for us. No, it's coming to realize how deep his affections already are towards us. Right? It's to strip away the lies and see them for what they are. Right? You are not what anybody says about you. All right? Guard your heart against that. Guard your heart against toxic words. You are who God says you are. Right? And that's, that's the words that we receive. Right? But the flip side of that coin are the words, the words that we speak right and so it's a new year and i have a challenge that that i want to put on the table and it's this if you're taking notes number 3 it's speak life-giving words to others every chance that you get every chance do it i'm telling you this this will change your relationships this will change your life this will change your marriage if you're married. I mean, man, you show me, you show me an unhealthy marriage or a marriage that's really struggling, and I will show you toxic words every single time. Every time. You show me any relationship that's struggling, and I'll show you toxic words. Right, one of the conversations that often happens in church world when it comes to marriage specifically, and I know we're not all married, but if you're not married, this is still good for you to know, but one of those things that kind of comes up is frustrations, you know, that my husband isn't leading spiritually. You know, but, but I'll tell you this, he can. But boy, if that's what you're pointing out every single time, and just speaking from a husband's point of view, I can't speak from a wife's point of view. If you're pointing out all the ways that he is not leading, he, guess what he's not going to do? Start leading, right? We already know we're jacked up and screwed up, all right? <laughs> so you get pointing that out. It is just deflating. And, and as a man, I mean, you get to a point where you figure out and you just feel like you can't win. You just cash in your chips. It's like, I can't win. Right? But I'm telling you, you start speaking life, man, you start speaking life into him. And affirming even just those little things that you see and love. And he will raise the bar himself, I promise you that. Right, If he's not much of a prayer, and every now and then he prays around the dinner table, and it's literally, dear God, thank you for the pizza, amen. <laughs> you know, like, celebrate that, you know, like, like, oh man, I love it when you pray. I love it. It was so, it's so raw. You know? It was so stripped down. But I love it. You know, it's like he's going to up his game by himself. Right? And the next time, he's going to take it further. He might be, hey, God, thank you for the pizza and the Pepsi. Amen. You know? And you're just like, yes! I love how you just took it to another level right there. Thank you for leading your family in prayer. I'm telling you. You do that, and he's going to do that himself because words really are that powerful. Right? you start doing this, it will, it will change your marriage. It will change your kids. It will change your life. Here's where Ephesians 4.29, this is so good, so good. It says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Would you read that with me again? That's too good. Let's read it together. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Man, can you imagine if we actually lived that out? The kind of life and fruit that that produces. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes the sin is, you know, we, we misuse words and we use them destructively. But sometimes our sin is actually that we just don't use them very much at all, right? We use them sparingly, right? We see things in people, things that we think kind things about them, but we never share that. We never tell them, right? We don't tell them how much we, we appreciate them or how much we love them or respect them or admire them. We don't tell them that that we see something beautiful in them, something worthwhile, something valuable, something that needs to be shared with the world. Right? And if I'm really honest with you, like this, this is my sin. I, just to be completely honest with you, like I do great with our kids, I think most of the time, but I don't know what it is about adults, but I just don't do this. You know, and so Megan will readily affirm, like this is an area that I am so week in, and I think, I think things about how much I I love and appreciate my wife, or how much I love and appreciate this church, and our volunteers, and our leaders, and like, all of the people make it what it is, but man, those who serve around me, those on the team will tell you, I'm so bad at vocalizing those things, and I don't know what that's about, but I do, you know, and, and so I'm saying that because, one, I just want to confess to you, like, It is my sin, and I'm owning it, but also because I don't want that to be the case anymore. I mean, I might not always do this well, but like, it's a new year, right? It's a new start. And so for 2015, I want the story this year to be different. right? And so I want to put a challenge on the table for all of us that I would love to see us own, and it's this. Every time you think something good about someone, say it. As long as it's appropriate, say it. <laughs> Every time you think something good, send the text, write the note, make the call, infuse it with life, and put it out there. Because I'm telling you, right, we, I don't think we always get to see, most of the time we probably don't get to see how God uses our words. Right? But the right words spoken at the right time can change a life. If you run the clock back 10 years ago, I sat down for a beer with a good friend named Eric Smith. And we sat down, and he had an agenda for that meeting. He was going to speak life into me. And I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life at that point. I was still rehabbing from church dropout, and I I was coming around, but I definitely didn't want to work in the church. That was not the plan. Uh, But he sat me down, and he said, Aaron, there's something inside of you that needs to come out. I, in fact, I think you need to plant a church. I think you have the gifting for it, and not very many people do. And I think you need to pray about that and do it because you can. I believe that. That conversation changed my life. Right. In fact, if you think about all of the lives that have been impacted and changed through this community over the last four years, in some ways, if you just rewind the clock back enough, take the genealogy back far enough, it could all be traced to this one conversation where one friend decided to sit me down and speak life into me. All right? and, and, and words are that powerful. And by the way, your words are that powerful. Every day you are speaking words that are either words of life or words of death. Or there are words inside of you, kind words, hopeful words, building up life-giving words that need to be shared. And so my challenge, my challenge for you that I would love for us to own is that every time you think it, share it. Send the text, write the note, make the call. Can you imagine what kind of a church we would be if we all practiced that? It would be unlike any other place on this earth. People would show up and be ambushed by love. They would be ambushed by grace. There would be no person broken and bloodied, up to their ears in sin, who would not feel safe walking through those doors. Right? If we were the kind of community that just resolved that we are going to build each other up. And when we hear others tearing people down, we intervene and say, no, 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 that's not how we roll around here. Right? If you need to go have a conversation with that person, have it. But make sure it's building them up, it's what they need. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the kind of life change that we would see here? Right, we would just, it, this would just be a place where we're just ambushing another. Just, we would be assaulting each other with life-giving words all the time. Guilt and shame could not survive in a community like that. And I don't want it to. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And I hope you do too. All right, let me pray for you. Lord God, I thank you for your grace for all the times that I've misused words and all the times when I've failed to use words. Lord God, I thank you for, for not giving up on me, for not giving up on us. And Lord God, I pray for every person in this room. I know there are probably many in this room that have come to believe lies about themselves that are simply not true. And Lord God, even as we come before you now and sing, that even now, Lord God, you would be exposing in our hearts those things for what they are. Lies. Right? Satan is called the father of lies for a reason. And Lord God, I ask that you would give us the discernment to see those lies for what they are and begin to replace those lies, those things that people have said about us, with your truth what you've said about who we really are. And Lord God, I ask that you would make us into a community who uses our words to build one another up, to speak life into each other, to cheer one another on, to encourage one another, to affirm the goodness in each other, and to speak graciously when we need to confront one another in love. Lord God, I want so badly to be a part of a church that does that. I want to see what you can do in and through a church like that. Lord, may it be so. Lord God, we come before you now to
0: honor you with our words. We pray these things in your name.